praise God. Let's give the Lord a praise. Amen. The Lord a praise. Hallelujah. Well, it's great to be here today and want to thank this church so much for your giving, your gifts. Uh, you know, uh, not only did you help us monthly, but you've also, ever since this church started, it's been helping us monthly, but also it's been helping us uh, with special projects. So you saw the church in Pakistan that was built. This church gave a special offering for it. In about 14 hours, 15 hours from now, uh, the shovels are going in the ground, and I didn't mean literally shovels, not a bulldozer, not a backhoe, but a shovels are going in to dig the, the foundation for a uh, community center church. It will also be a school in the morning and a sports center in the afternoon, and then church, uh, it was all, its primary purpose is for the church, but we sell it to the community as a community center because everybody wants a community center. And uh, so it works very well, and we're doing that also in Pakistan. And you uh, have bought that land, so give yourself a hand. And, and uh, thank God your harvest uh, is, is plenteous, and as you have given. So when you give to this ministry, you're not just to the church. When you give to the church your tithes and your offerings, you're not just giving to what you see with your eyes, but you're giving to a lot of things that are going on worldwide that you may never see or touch, you might just hear about it. You may not even hear about some of the great things that God's doing. I want to thank you all for praying for me, especially uh, during time when I was off. I had broken my back in November, and I, I was very naive. I thought by the end of November I'd be up preaching. I told one preacher, "Don't, don't, don't delete me from the, you know, to the schedule. I'll be there." He says, "Okay, I won't delete you, but I have my doubts." And I was very naive, and so it took me a long, long time to recover. But thank God during that time. We did, we advanced in three different areas. We bought land uh, through your church. You bought the land. And then we also uh, launched a life skill center uh, in Pakistan, which is uh, sewing machines. We have 24 students come every three hours to learn uh, how to sew and tailor. And then also launched uh, a Bible school uh, over in Pakistan as well. And so we've had great success. Even while I was on my back, the Lord was still working. It's really wonderful when you get to a place where your ministry is growing organically, in other words, the, minute, the, initi the initiative and the fundraising and all that stuff is happening out there, and you just give your nod of approval. That's a good way to do it, eh? But you, you don't start that way. You have to start with a lot of hard work. And uh, when my wife and I came out of Bible college, we just determined if we have to wash toilets for the next five years until somebody recognizes us, and gives us an opportunity, we're going to do so. And so what happened? We came out of Bible college and immediately we had a full-time position because of the work ethic and because we decided we want to do something mighty for Jesus. We started out in 1999, believe in God, for 50,000 souls in our lifetime. How many think 50,000? It's pretty good. And uh, some people thought we were crazy, but thank God. Uh, that first year we reached 50,000 people, and since then we've had 3,200,000 decisions for Christ. Give the Lord a praise, amen? <laughs> Hallelujah, and I'm going to share a little bit more about that with you. Thank you so much, and uh, I'm excited about this church that's starting to be built tomorrow. Um, really is exciting in a, a very needed area. There's no churches there, and uh, yet a very needed area. It's, it's even the Ugandans themselves call this area the mission field. The Christian Ugandans call the area that we're building a church in the mission field because it's a very a different tribe, a very stubborn tribe, a very difficult tribe, a very warring tribe, and yet we feel that we're supposed to establish this. This is about 15 minutes away from our major compound 
in northern Uganda, and so we're excited about that. I'm going to get into the Word in just a second. You can turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 1, and as you do, I just want to make mention, we have some uh, materials out there. Here's an interesting book. It's called I Took My Blackberry to Africa, and I, this is a three-week journal, and we saw 64,000 people come to Christ in three weeks. And uh, praise the Lord, amen? And some people would think that it was just easy and we had no problems, but if you read the book, you'll find out. I'm very transparent. There was times when I shook my head and said, what am I doing here? But in the midst of it, God came through and he provided, hallelujah. And so we saw 64,000 people come to the Lord. Here's a, a book, it says, uh, 10, 100 confessions to set you over. How many know life and death is in the power of the tongue? And uh, so... I went out to, to, to prepare this little booklet, and I was going to divide it into sections, you know, healing and prosperity and, you know, who we are in Christ, what we can do. And God, I felt the Lord say, don't bother. And I said, what do you mean, don't bother? And uh, I, he said, don't bother dividing it into segments. He says, because otherwise the people that get the book, they're just going to look up one topic, and they're just going to confess those scriptures, and they're not going to confess the rest. And so I said, well, it's less work for me, works for me. And so now when you, when you, read, when you confess this, you're getting a whole array of, of what, who you are. You're not just the healed, you're not just prosperous, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You can run through a troop and leap over a wall and come on now, you're an able minister of the new covenant. And so I just want to bless you with that, sir, you, this couple here. And I just want to make mention also, there's a beautiful book out here, it's called Oh, What a Wonder. And it's a, a beautiful book that Sharon and I put together. It features our grandchildren. And each one of those grandchildren uh, are in this book, as well as honoring our mothers who have gone on to be with Jesus. And just a little booklet about how wonderful the love of Jesus is and how powerful it is. You know, uh, there never is a time when my family gets together, the grandchildren, our daughters and our son, they get together. There's never a time when somewhere in that time, without us asking, the kids will all come together and they'll start singing that song. And they know that Jesus loves them. Oh, what a wonder that Jesus loves me. And so this is a great thing. We need to really uh, remind ourselves that children need to be taught of the Lord. And there's not a lot of materials out like that. This, I've got a few more coming. And, uh, but you might want to take advantage of that as well as we have some preaching. In the book of Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it says this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. Now verse 14, verse 14, it says this, for I am a debtor both to the Jew, the Greeks, the wise, the unwise, so much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are wrong. Well, I read those scriptures a little backwards. I read 16 first and 14 and 15, but I believe it goes well this way. Paul the Apostle made some quality decisions. Everybody say quality decisions. And how many know that when you make some quality decisions, other decisions that you have to make in life become a little bit easier when you've made some big decisions? Is that right? Like, for example, somebody calls you up, a family member calls you up and says, Hey, let's do breakfast at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. And you've already made a decision. You're going to follow the Lord. You're going to serve the Lord. And you say, "Call." You say, well, I can't come at 10, but I can meet you at 1230. Right? And so these decisions, when we make big decisions in our life, some of the smaller decisions are so much easier to make 
because we've decided and, 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 and decided, made some major decisions in our life. The first decision, Paul the Apostle says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll put it this way. I am not now, nor will I ever be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now look, I, I've been ashamed of some things I've seen the church do. I've been ashamed of some things I've seen pastors do. Come on now. I've been ashamed of some things I've seen Christians do. In fact, I've even been ashamed of some things I've done. Come on, be honest. But I've never been ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on now. I'm not talking about a philosophical uh, gospel that's just a bunch of uh, thoughts and, and, and impressions. I'm not talking about a, uh, a gospel that it just touches your, your pocketbook or just heals your body, although it does. I'm talking about a gospel that reaches it and transforms lives by the power of God, I believe, and I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I received a, a book in the mail a few weeks ago. It was from a, 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 a lady. I don't know who it was. I don't know who it is. But she wrote it. And in the front, there was a little memo, memo pad that says, you're in this book. And so I, interestingly, I thought, well, I don't know who this is or who, who the author is, but I'm going to read it. And the story starts off of a little girl born uh, from uh, an Armenian mother and also a American biker. And they got together for a season and, and they had this child and the biker got married, tried to do the right thing, but they had marriage problems. And so the biker and the Armenian mom, they split up and about, and she got custody, her mom got custody. And when, uh, when uh, about four or five weeks later, this biker came in, kidnapped the baby, took her away, far away from her mother and, uh, and kept her just to hurt the mom just to, 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 to be spiteful. And they took that girl. They never really trained her well. They put her in the basement. And uh, brothers and sisters, stepbrothers and sisters were upstairs playing. They'd have their birthdays. She would never celebrate her birthday. They had Christmas. She was never asked to come to Christmas. She stayed downstairs eating uh, peanut, butter jelly, peanut butter sandwiches and, and uh, water. For many years until she was about 13, 14. And then her, step, her father, the biker, started to abuse her. And then he would send down some of his friends to abuse, physically abuse her. And every time they went out of the house, she'd try to break out of the house and get, get free. But the doors were locked and, uh, and the uh, windows were barred. And she couldn't get free. But one day, when she was about 14 years old, she went up to the door and they had forgot to lock the door. And she escaped. And she went and lived on the street for a couple years. And finally, uh, uh, a couple who were running a business took her in and, and had mercy on her, took her in and let her uh, sleep in the basement of their, of their organization. And the organization was a strip joint. It was a club. And so now she's downstairs while that's going on. And the, the lady, she taught, the lady, taught this lady how to, do, uh, uh, how to read and how to write. And within just a little bit of time, she was able to work at the till uh, taking change and taking money and taking cover charges and whatnot. And she would work there and work there. And then when she got older, they put her up on the, on the dance floor. And there she was, nobody who really loved her, nobody who really knew her, just this couple from the strip joint who had taken her in. And she became a stripper. And that building burnt down. And so she had to uh, move to another uh, strip joint that they owned. So she would go out and get an apartment. She got her apartment. 
And in the evening, late at night, she'd have to take taxi from the apartment to the strip joint and from the strip joint to her drug dealer and her drug dealer back to the house, almost like clockwork every night. A taxi would meet her and take her to these places. But this taxi driver wasn't a normal taxi driver. He was a Christian, hallelujah. And he began to witness her over the course of six, eight, nine months and share with her the love of Jesus and the gospel of Christ. And she said she was almost convinced, almost convicted, almost converted, but she was just hanging on for some reason, just didn't believe that it could happen or it was too good to be true. And then the taxi driver one night said, look, I've been good to you. I've treated you well. We've got a good friendship. Said, he said, I want you to do me a favor. She said, what's that? He said, I want you to go to the tent meeting, a red, yellow, and blue tent. And there's a short chubby man under there. And uh, he can preach the gospel. When I heard short chubby, I figured it was me. And uh, with a tent. And so uh, she walked. She, she said, no, I'm not going to go. And she made every excuse. But one night she went to go to work. And found out she, had, she was not on the schedule. She had nothing to do that night. And so she decided that she was on her way home. Taxi was taking her home. And all this different taxi. And all of a sudden, uh, she felt pressed in her heart. She's going to go to this tent meeting. She sat on the back row. She heard the preaching of the word. She heard an invitation for salvation. And that night, she responded to salvation. And she came forward and weeping and crying, saying, God, change me, touch my life, forgive me. And she said, the preacher prayed a prayer with us. And then he came straight for me. And he said, he, uh, she had, uh, while she was alone, she had tried to commit suicide a few times. And he said, that preacher came right up and said, I bind the spirit of darkness on your life. I speak deliverance and freedom to you. And I bind that spirit of, of suicide off your life. And then he began to tell me that I'm going to be a blessing, not just to my family, but to those around me who are hurting like I hurt. And the book ends. And at the back it says, thank you, Brother Mark for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I thumbed through it, still trying to figure out who it was. And I looked at the front and I said, this book is dedicated to all the hurting men and women who grew up as, a, as abused, who suffered and had a terrible upbringing. There is hope in Jesus Christ. Amen. I still don't know who that is. I'm going to find out sometime soon, but I don't know who it is, but I got blessed that I had a part in that. And I believe there's all kinds of stories. As a matter of fact, I could tell you stories from now until tomorrow at the same time of how Jesus saved lives and transformed lives. I was in the, uh, and I'm not ashamed of this gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. If you believe, you receive. If you doubt, you go without. Uh, I was in my office a few years ago asking God what to do in the month of March. And I often will book a couple months straight and then I'll leave a month free and then book a couple months straight and leave another month free just in case the Lord wants to direct me or there's something urgent comes up. And so uh, I had March open and I was just praying, Lord, which pastor should I call? Because a lot of pastors now will give me an invitation, say, when you're in, your, in my area, if you have a chance, just come and uh, they'll make way for us. So I was just asking the Lord where to go and God said, go to WOW. And I said, WOW, where's WOW? You know, and go to WOW, South Sudan. And so... I looked on the map, and I couldn't find a WOW South Sudan. So I called up my crusade coordinator, and he, I said, is there a WOW South Sudan? He said, yes, there is, but it's not spelled W-O-W. -W, it's spelled W-A-U. And I said, wow. And, uh, 
And so uh, I said, can you possibly pull together a crusade in three weeks? Now, we don't usually pull together a crusade in three weeks. It usually takes a lot of planning, sometimes six months in advance. And then uh, we don't, and then in the local area, we don't do uh, too much publicity because if we do it, we could be shut down before we get started. So we, but we have a plan and we start getting all the things organized and whatever, whatever. And he said, yes, I can. So three months, uh, three weeks later, to make a long story short, here I am driving in in a convoy of vehicles we have. And on the side of the vehicle says Operation Philip. And this Greek man was coming down out of the city and he's, because we're only driving 15 kilometers an hour and that's too fast for the road we're on anyways. And I mean, it's just terrible roads. And so here we are, he's coming out, going out of town, we're coming into town, and we were stopped at the gate of the city. And uh, this Greek man came up and said, what is Operation Philip? And I said, well, Philip went down to Samaria, preached Christ under the meek people gate. He both seeing and hearing the miracles which he did. And there was great joy in the city. That's what the Bible says. We've come to preach the gospel. He said, hallelujah. And he was a very animated man. And he said, I've been praying for revival in the city for many, many years. He said, hallelujah, come, come, you can stay at my compound. He said, I said, he said, I know exactly where you can preach. I said, where? He said, right in front of that mask. I said, no, no, I don't think we should do that. I don't want to get, he, he said, it's the only building, only place where you can preach. It's the only field we have. I said, hallelujah. He said, by the way, somebody came six months earlier, tried to preach the gospel. He lasted about 10 minutes and they pelted him with stones and he got ran out of the city. And I said, hallelujah. <laughs> but we opened up the crusade with 30 believers plus this Greek man and his wife and another man. We opened up this service. He said, there's no churches in the city. The only church that was in the city was a Greek Orthodox church. He said, my dad built it, but about 35 years ago, nobody was attending and they turned it into a restaurant. He said, and he said, so this is, this is a, a totally unchristian area, a very Arabic area. We got up and preached the gospel. And the first night, 30,000 people showed up. 30,000. I said, wow. And I got up preaching to preach. And you know what? Can I tell you something? This mass evangelism, when you go into fields and, and into people that haven't heard the gospel, there is no atmosphere. They don't know the songs that you sang of worship. They don't know the songs. They're just learning what, what the song is. They don't know the song. They don't know how to dance to it or shout to it. They're not excited. Most of them had rocks and sticks in their hand. I'm thinking they're going to help me soon. Lord, help me. And so there's no corporate anointing there's no anointing in the atmosphere yet but i have to push it out of my belly come on now out of your belly flows rivers of living water and i'm pushing it out and i'm preaching about the jesus who saves and he heals and transforms life and i'm just pushing it out pushing it out pushing it out and i start to have an argument with god i said god i can't last much longer i'm yelling and screaming and shouting about jesus how about a little help this is what i'm having you ever have an argument with yourself while you're talking. Well, I did. And, and so all of a sudden, I'm preaching. It seemed like people were just mulling around, talking. And it seemed like nobody was listening. But as I said, something about the appealing power of Jesus. All of a sudden, a man over on the right-hand side of me was, uh, <clears throat> he was uh, paralyzed from the neck down. And all of a sudden, he started flapping his wings and his legs jumping up and down. And the crowd went crazy, crazy. 
And all of a sudden, there was about 200 people on the stage. Everybody wanted to get in the presence of God. They're bringing up their babies and their, and, their, and their children. And we had to close down because there was no order. We couldn't even move. Reinhard Bonky taught me, he said, if you get in a situation like that, kill the lights, shut off the generator, get in your vehicles and leave. And come up with a better plan. And so we came up with a better plan for controlling the... You got to mean 30, 30 workers plus the translator and, my, and, and another man. And here we are trying to do a crusade with 30,000 people. So God gave us a divine strategy. The next night, the crowd grew to 40,000. And by the end of the week, it grew to 50,000. And during that week, we saw over, saw over 50,000 people give their life to Jesus. Hallelujah! In a Muslim city. Today, years later, there's well over 60 churches in that city. Gospel came. And it took root, hallelujah. And other people came behind and started, uh, you know, tending to those sheep, hallelujah. And the gospel, the kingdom of God's close. But this Greek man told me something that shocked me after the service. He said, 10 years ago, he said, I, I moved away. He said, I, I moved away uh, because I hated South Sudan. And because all, everybody had left, I just went to Greece, back to Greece where my kids were. And he said, my kids, uh, they were uh, in a Pentecostal church. And I walked in that church on a Sunday morning and he said, Mark, brother Mark, he said, I didn't know that I could have a relationship with Jesus. I've been religious all my life, but I never had a moment with Jesus like I had that morning. He said, I gave my life to Jesus. I became a Christian. I stayed in that church for five years. I prayed. I was a disciple. I worked with the pastor. I became a leader. And he said, when I was 70 years old, God called me to go back to South Sudan. He said, go back and pray for revival. And Nicholas said, he said to God, God, I don't even know anybody who's saved over there. I'll, I'll be all by myself. God said, take your wife. Any two shall agree. Come on now. And so he went back and for five years, him, his wife, and one other person, the person that translated for me, started praying for revival in the city of Wow, South Sudan. And over that week, he said with tears, he said, when I started praying the first week, he saw, I saw, I saw a very big crowd of people. He said there were numerous people that were at the foot of a mosque, but they weren't facing towards the mosque. They had their backs towards the mosque and the face towards a, a stage and somebody was up there preaching and people were giving their hearts to the Lord and hundreds and thousands of people responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, that was the vision I had five years ago and you have been obedient to come and to preach the gospel. And he said, what a wonderful, this Nicholas, he never said a word, all crusades, but he sat on the stage every night and he watched the vision that God had given him the vision that he had birthed with his wife through prayer to bring revival to a city. And it was there and then that I realized that we had power, that we could take cities for Jesus Christ. Cities for Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Today the mosque is half empty and churches are packed with over 60, 50, 60 churches in that, that area, God has brought a great mighty harvest. He's the Lord of the harvest. I'm not ashamed of this gospel. It's the power to heal the sick, lift up those that are bowed down. It will put food on your plate and clothes on your back, hallelujah. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. My God, my savior, what a savior, Jesus. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul said, I am not now. 
nor will I ever be. See, we believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, where Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane shed, dropped blood, met water and blood mixed together, stained the ground as he earnestly prayed and tried as best he could to wiggle his way out of going to the cross. He said, Lord, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And I know this Jesus who, who went in into the courts of Pilate and was beaten and spit upon and mocked and bruised and ridiculed and a crown of thorns placed upon his head and they mocked him and abused him. I know this Jesus who stood outside the northern part of the city of Jerusalem put that old rugged cross on his shoulders marched all the way up the Via Della Rosa and all the way to Calvary. He went for you and for me. This Jesus whose nails were placed in his hands and his feet and blood literally poured out upon the ground mixed with the soil as blood dripped out. Every drop of blood was to purchase your salvation, your healing, your, your deliverance, your freedom, your peace. Hallelujah. I believe in a gospel where Jesus died upon that cross and he rose again and he lives and he's seated in the heavens. Come on now. And he ever lives to make intercession for you. That ought to just turn your crank right there. You might not have Reinhard Bonnke praying for you today. You might not have Billy Graham praying for you. But I'll tell you something. He's not laying his hands on you physically. But he can touch you on the inside, the outside, the upside, the downside, the front side, and the flip side. He'll touch you if you'll just call upon his name. It's Jesus. It's the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm not ashamed of this gospel. Come on, somebody say, I'm not ashamed. Hallelujah, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of this gospel, for it is the power of salvation. Then he says in verse 14, he says, I am a debtor. Now, most Christians, they don't truly understand their salvation because a lot of Christians will say, well, Jesus did so much for me. Now I have to do so much for him. But the truth is, you are not a debtor to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. You can never repay back the salvation that was purchased on the cross of Calvary. You could never pay it back. You can't be good enough, smart enough, pretty enough, ugly enough, you know, have you could Mr. Personality, Mrs. Uh, Congeniality. You can't be all that. You could never ascend up into the stature of Christ, but he came down, suffered, bled, died for you, and to give you a free gift, not by works, lest any man should boast. So you're not in church here just paying back what Jesus did for him. We serve Jesus because we love him. But Paul clearly, clearly made a quality decision that he was not going to try to pay back God because he never could. But he was going to do what the word of God would say. He's going to pay it forward freely, freely. You have received freely, freely. You must give. He realized that his debt was to the, the Jew, the Greek, the bond, the free, the wise, the unwise. And that he was to share this gospel. Let me just pretend for a moment you're at home. And I don't know what kind of house you grew up in. But I had, we had seven people in my family. And my dad, in the early days, 
You know, he'd come home with a paycheck on Friday, and Friday night they'd go get groceries, and they'd get enough groceries to last till the next Thursday or Friday, depending. And uh, I know sometimes I'd go in the fridge on Friday afternoon, and there was nothing in there. You got to wait until mom and dad get home from the groceries to have something to eat. But can you imagine just being at home and and you haven't been able to get to the grocery store and you're thirsty and you look in the fridge and there's about this much milk in the bottom of the, the, the container and there's about this much tomato juice and there's a, a little bit of orange juice, nothing enough to make a full glass. But you get crazy and you say, I'm just going to mix it all together, use it, dump out the containers and you, and you decide you're going to mix it together. Well, you're just preparing that, you put it on the counter and all of a sudden there's a knock at the door. And somebody knocks on the door, comes in, and you want to be nice to him. Can, can I give you a glass of water? He, he says, no, I don't want water. But what's that drink over there? And, and you say, no, you don't want that. It's, I, mean, it's, I was just cleaning the fridge. I just mixed it all together. I thought I'd just drink it myself. And he said, no, no, I'll take that. No, no, you, you, you can have some water. Don't, you don't want that. He, he said, I'll take that. He drinks it. And he's not, he's not displeased. But the next day, he comes knocking on your door again. And he says, you know that drink you made yesterday? He said, I want you to make it again. And you say, ah, I don't even know how I made it, but now your fridge is full. And he goes, you try it again. You're going to, oh, there's a little bit of milk, a little bit of orange juice, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And you try to mix it together. You do your best to try to make it the same way because your neighbor wants it, even though it sounds crazy. And you make it for him. He drinks it. He goes away. The next day, he comes knocking on your door again. He said, you know that drink you gave me the day before and yesterday? I need it again. Can you please make me some more? And you get a little frustrated now, but you make him some more. And the next day, he knocks on the door again. And the next day again. And the next day again. And after a week, you are going to give him the recipe because you don't have time to make it all yourself but you ask him why are you liking this so much and he says you don't understand he said a few years ago I was diagnosed with with HIV and last year I was diagnosed with full-blown AIDS he said but that day a week ago when I came into your house and I drank that little concoction whatever it was I started feeling better and the next day I felt even better and the next day I felt even better. And he said, that stuff has made me strong. I don't know what's in it, but it's made me strong. And he said, by the way, today I went, they checked my blood twice. They checked everything over. The HIV is gone. The AIDS is gone. You developed a cure. What would you do with that cure you had in your hand? Would you forget about it? Would you keep it to yourself? No. You'd want to get that cure out to as many people who had HIV, as many people who had AIDS as possible. Come on, how many would do that? You'd want to get, your, get it out. Can I tell you today, we got a cure that's better than uh, just somebody who heals AIDS. It's better than somebody who can just provide you a job. I'm talking about a full gospel that will touch your body, your mind, your soul, your spirit. That will set the captives free. That will break the yokes of bondage. Hallelujah. And Paul said, I am not a debtor to the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But I'm a debtor to the Jew, the Greek, the bond, the free. The wise and the unwise. And folks, that's the debt we have. I'm not over in Africa or Pakistan. Just got back a couple of weeks ago from Pakistan. I'm not over in these countries just because it's fun to travel. Believe me, after a while, the novelty wears off. And I'm not over there just because it seems like a nice thing to do. 
but I'm over there and doing everything we can possibly try to do with our grammar schools and with our Bible schools and our medical center and our churches and our Bible colleges and, and our life skills centers. We're doing everything that we have the strength to do to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's more powerful than a cure for AIDS. It will heal the endless yearning of the heart. It will bring peace and hope to the lifeless. I'm not ashamed of this gospel. I am a debtor to the Jew, the Greek, the bond, the free. And finally, he says, as much as it's in me. As much as is in me. I am ready. When churches read the Bible, it says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And the pastor says, we're getting ready. And we read the scripture in Matthew where it says, go and make all disciples of all nations. And you talk to people and they say, we're just getting ready. And I have a, a members, really close friends of mine. They went to college before I did. They went to college after I did. And 38 years later, they're still going to college trying to get ready. But God didn't tell us to get ready. He called us to be ready. And there's a difference, folks. Listen, I'm, I, I believe in, in education. I believe in Bible studies. And I believe we should take courses. And I believe that we should fill ourselves with the knowledge of the Lord. But let me tell you, on your worst, ugliest, rottenest, you know, bad hair, booger in your eye day, you have more going for you than somebody who doesn't know Jesus. And the enemy will jump on you and say, oh, yeah, you haven't done this course and you didn't take that course and, and, and you didn't. Now, all these courses are great. But Paul didn't say as much as, as will be in me. He says as much as I have. As much as is in me. You know, most Christians, I find out, their best, their best uh, uh, soul winning technique is just to advertise the church or advertise the pastor. You come to my church. My pastor's cool. He wears blue jeans. You should come to our church. We meet in a really nice building. You know, and all this kind of stuff. And most Christians, their theme song is, I don't have a whole lots of money. I don't have a fine, fancy car. My Jesus, he's all right. My Jesus, he's clear out of sight. He's some kind of wonderful. And somebody is looking at you and saying, where is he? Where is Jesus? How can I find this Jesus you're talking about? Paul the apostle didn't say, look at my church. Look at the organization I'm building. He said, as much as is in me, Peter was on the way, the gate, beautiful. And the man who had stuck out his palms and asked for alms, and Peter said, silver and gold have I none. Okay, I don't have everything I would like to have. Okay, I'm not as talented as I thought I would like to be. I'm not as educated as I think I would like to be. I never took that course, but I will. But as I am right now, such as I have. And most Christians are looking and saying, well, I got to get ready. Paul said, we need to live ready. As much as is in me, I'm ready. When I was a kid, they used to play the hymn, standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. Whenever I heard that hymn, I remember in church looking around. I'm looking around for Jesus in the shadows. And I look over, and I, th I think he's behind the baptismal tank over there. And I didn't understand that Peter's life was so full of the anointing that he was actually leaking. 
he was leaking the glory, leaking the anointment, the anointing, so that he could walk through the streets and his very shadow would heal the sick. Peter said, such as I have. Such as I have. Not my pastor is great, not my church is great. No, look at me. Look at me. I, 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 I may not have a whole lots of money and I may not have million dollar words to speak to you. I may not be able to, you know, concisely share with you in chronological order. But look at me. I still have something inside. I got something inside me. Something inside me that, that God says he can use. Should we take more courses? Yes. Should we become, go to soul in his class? Sure. Yes. Should we pray? Yes. Should we go to church? Of course. But show me if there is a hoop that we have to jump through. If there is some hoop that we have to jump through so that we can be used of God, just show me it right now. Then the whole church can jump through that hoop and then we can do what the word of God says. Make disciples of all nations. Preach the gospel into the world. Freely we have received, freely give, such as is in me. Put your hand in your belly for a second. Such as is in you. You see a nice, handsome man driving in a nice red convertible sports car, and he looks like a million bucks. And you look at that, and you look at the car, and you think, he must have a great life. But I can tell you, if he doesn't know Jesus, you got more going for you than he has going for him. And the truth is, when somebody's drowning, they're not asking you for your credentials. They don't really care whether you went to life-saving school. They don't care whether you got your bronze. They don't care whether you're a full-fledged lifeguard. They don't care. They're not drowning going, glug, 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 and by, by the way, did you? No. They don't care what you got. They don't care how much education you got. They don't care how much you learned. All they care about is can you throw a rope? Can you throw a rope? Because that's what I need. I don't need your education. I don't need your philosophical ideas. I don't need all that theology. Can you throw a rope? The town is being flooded. Teenagers who've never gone to college, university, doctors and lawyers, scientists are all filling bags full of dirt so they can save their town. And at that point, nobody is asking anybody how big your education is, how much you know, how much money you have. They don't care. They don't care. All they care is, can you put sand in a bag so that we don't lose our city? The day I'm here to tell you, the enemy will always try to use inferiority, insecurity, insufficiency, and tell you you're not enough, you don't know enough, you're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not educated enough, you didn't raise your hands high enough, you didn't give money enough money, you weren't in church every time the doors was open, you missed one, and now you're not going to, no, no, don't listen to that word. The Lord speaks to you, and your head goes, I can't, and the Spirit says, yes, you can. 
And your head goes, no, I'm not smart enough. And the spirit man says, yes, yes, you can. And you say, but I'm not educated. Let's get somebody else. And the spirit says, you're the only one who's here right now. Can you throw a rope? Can you fill a sandbag full of sand so that we don't lose our town? Today, I want you to know you have something powerful on the inside of you. Paul made three quality decisions. I am not now, nor will I ever be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I am ready. I am a debtor, not to the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But I'm a debtor to my next door neighbor. I'm a debtor to the person across the street. I'm a, a debtor to that person I work with. I'm a debtor to my family members. I'm a debtor to the wise and unwise. And I've decided as much as is in me, be it late at night, early in the morning, whenever God calls me, whenever God speaks to me, as much as is in me, I'm going to put my best foot forward and give it everything I got and believe that God will anoint the little that's in our hand. When Sharon and I started off in crusades um, after resigning from church that we'd pastor, we ministered for 17 years. I would have thought more people would have helped us. The first crusade we did, we didn't have enough money. I put the whole thing on a visa. Bought the airfare, the rental of the equipment, everything was on the visa and went up to South Sudan and yay, South Sudan, in the midst of a war. Had soldiers on each side of the, the vehicle, four armed guards, went up with a translator, small speakers like this, gonna preach the gospel to the city of Ye. There's only one church there. I'm gonna preach the gospel to those people and people are gonna get saved and I got there. And the first night, soldiers pointed their guns at my head. They tried to shoot. I heard the bullets go past my head. Finally, the gun jammed. These two drunk soldiers came to run up on the stage and because the few Christians that were there were afraid of the soldiers, the same soldiers who fought war for them to be free with the same soldiers who raped their, their wives and robbed them blind in the evening. They were afraid to stand up against these drunk soldiers. Finally, while they were coming up towards the stage, I reached up my hand. I didn't know what to say. I just said, oh, Jesus. They're like, oh, Jesus, help me. <laughs> Jesus. It wasn't even a powerful Jesus. I didn't say, in the name of Jesus. I just said, oh, Jesus. The soldier tripped and the other soldier fell on top of him. Finally, some people came around them and they arrested the soldiers. They were taken to prison and they were dealt with the next day. Then I go into a building, sit in a building and they want to get me, I have to get permission to go to the other side of town. There was only a couple of vehicles, but I had to get permission because the country's at war. I'm sitting in that building for one hour, two hours three hours and all of a sudden I'm starting to get really agitated and I felt like God wanted me to get out of that building and so I got a little a verbal with the the security man there the customs man I said I said you know you try to want us to come and help you but then when we come you treat us hard you're not being nice to us and apparently he got offended with me and he looked at me and said you go and I did I walked from here maybe to the back of the this auditorium 
stood there for a moment. And as I was standing there, the building blew up and I just escaped. And everybody inside were dead. You know, there comes a time in our life as Christians. Yes, Jesus called us to the cross, but he didn't just call us to the cross. He called us to go through the cross. There's a place where the old man is crucified and we rise to newness of life. And that new life is not living unto ourselves. It's not living unto our flesh, but it's living for our God, our savior, our master. And there ought to be a time in our life where we are willing to say, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. I never wanted to go to Africa to minister. When I got out of it the first time, I said, I'm never going back. But nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Maybe you've come to the cross today. My question is, are you walking with Jesus through the death burial? Have you come to a place where the old man and the flesh is crucified so that you can rise in newness of life, become an able vessel not because you're so smart not because you're so good just because you said yes to the Lord he places his hand on you and says I'll take the foolishness of this world to confound the wise I'm here to tell you today there's not a person in this room that God can't use there's not a person in this room that God won't use so when you're thinking about this and your relationship with Jesus. Have you come to a place where you say, I am not now, nor will I ever be ashamed of the gospel. I am a debtor not to the Father, Son, or Holy Ghost, but the Jew, the Greek, the bond, the free. And even though there's more I need to learn, and even though there's more I need to understand, and that's why I'm in church, and that's why I go to the classes, and that's why I'm in prayer at I-9. Even though there's more I need to learn, I'm never going to use this excuse that I don't have enough. When God said, you'll be my everything. You'll be my sufficiency. Would you bow your head? Close your eyes. I'll finish this morning, but I want to ask you two questions. I'd be foolishness to go all over the world and come to Windsor just a couple hours away from my home. Not give this invitation this morning. Maybe you're here today. You don't know Jesus. You're not serving Jesus. You're not walking with Jesus the way you should. Maybe you're backslidden. Maybe you once served him, but you're not serving him now. I'm not trying to confuse anybody. If you know you're saved, you're saved. But can I say this? If you don't know you're saved, you're probably not. Because the Bible says it's given unto us to know that we have life eternal. Today, if you can't say you're saved, I'm not trying to confuse you, but if you don't know for sure you're saved, if, if you can't say for sure you're saved, you're probably not. Because the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So I'm not trying to confuse anybody. If you're saved, you're saved. Stand fast. But maybe you're here today. You say, Brother Mark, I'm not sure that I'm saved. Maybe you're here today and say, I can't say for sure that if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. But I want to know for sure. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. If that's you, get ready, sir. Get ready, young man. You don't know Jesus, you're not serving Jesus. 
not sure if you died today, you'd make heaven. You can't say for sure you're saved. Maybe you say, Brother Mark, I'm backslidden. Maybe the truth is everybody thinks you're saved, but you and God know different. You haven't been living for him. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. You don't know Jesus. You're not serving Jesus. Not sure if you died today, you'd make heaven, but you want to know for sure with every head bowed, eyes closed. I'm going to count to three right now. You don't know Jesus, not serving Jesus. Not sure if you died today, you'd make heaven. You're back sitting, you fit into one of those categories. I'm going to count to three right now. Get your hand ready. I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. One, two, three. Slip up your hand. Yes. Yes, I see your hand. Anybody else? Say, Brother Mark, I see your hand. God bless you. Is there anyone else? Say, Brother Mark, I don't know for sure. I can't say for sure. God bless you, young lady. Is there anyone else? You say, Brother Mark, you can put your hand down again, honey. Anybody else? You just take a moment more. All over this auditorium. That's what evangelists do. We take time. We put you in a situation where you have to think. The truth of the gospel demands a decision. You either say yes or you reject it, one or the other. You're here today and you say, Brother Mark, I don't know Jesus. I'm waiting for three more seconds. I feel like there's somebody else who needs to respond. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? See your hand. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. Everybody stand, please, all over this auditorium. I want to pray a prayer. A young lady, you've raised your hand. I'm going to ask you, just come on down here for a second. Would you come down here, please? Just come, come, come quickly. Let's give her a hand as she comes right now. Hallelujah. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Just stay here. Just stay here for a minute. Just stay here. You can face me. You can stay here for a second. Jesus. Would you stretch your hand towards this young lady? Jesus, I pray right now you just touch this lady. Touch her, Lord God, in a way that no person's ever touched her before. This simple gospel message transforms lives, heals the brokenhearted. I'm going to ask everybody to pray this prayer. How do I get saved? Do I have to stand on my head and spit knuckles? No. Do I have to give money? No. Do I have to go to church? No, but it's good to go to church. It's good to give money, but you don't have to. How do I get saved? You believe in your heart. You confess with your mouth. Let's all pray this prayer together. Open your mouth and just pray it with me. Just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, open your lips and say it. Dear Jesus, I ask you now, come and live big on the inside of me. I give you this life, this house, the upstairs and the downstairs, front yard, backyard. I ask you to thoroughly dwell in this life. Be my Lord, be my master. I believe you died so I could live. You suffered so I could get well. You went to hell so I could go to heaven and you rose again so I could live a victorious life. And right now, I receive you. I want to live for you. And I boldly confess, I am saved. Let's give the Lord a praise right now. Hallelujah, would you just minister to her? Hallelujah. I'm almost done, but I just want you to listen to me right now. The Lord has been speaking to me while I was flat on my back. And I realized the dire need we are in right now for laborers. I could use a hundred couples. If I had a hundred couples come to me and say, we want to be involved in missions. 
I could use a hundred couples. The harvest is so plenteous. It's just, it's hard for people to believe in North America. But listen to me, listen to me. While I was on my back, the Lord says, I got to start preaching along the lines and helping people understand that it's more than just coming to church, just more than just coming to the cross. We come through the cross. And maybe you're here today and you say, Brother Mark, I know in my spirit there's something more. That there's something more. There's, a, there's an assignment on me. Maybe you don't know what it is, but you just feel like there's an assignment on your life that God wants to work for you. That there's a, a ministry you're supposed to be involved in. Maybe you, you're here in this room, you're called to full-time ministry. Maybe you're called uh, to be a pastor. Maybe you're called to be uh, 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 an evangelist. Maybe you're called to help out in the church more than you are, but you just, you just would say, Brother Mark, I know there's more than just coming to church for me. I know there's more. God's got more for me, and I just want to pursue. I want to pursue that. I want to apprehend that which God has for me. I want to I get a hold of it. I want to walk in it. I want to step into it. Maybe, like I said, you're here. You don't know for sure what it is, but you just say, Brother Mark, I know there's more than just coming to church I know that God has an assignment for me maybe you're called to be on the mission field maybe you're called to get involved in the new life center you're called to help out feed the poor I don't know but you say brother Mark you just say brother Mark that's me I believe there's more for me than what I'm walking in if that's you and I believe there's a few of you I'm going to ask you to slip out of your chair and come down here I want to pray with you right now I believe there's more. You say, Brother Mark, I believe there's more. I believe there's more. I believe God's got an assignment in me. I don't know what it is, but there's more. There's more. Maybe you're here to a young man. You're called into ministry. Maybe you're called to go to Bible college. You're called to be a pastor. You're called to, to do something great for God. You're, you, you just know that God's got your hand on you, his hand on you. You're not just here to just put in time. You're not here just to play church. But you believe there's more. There's more. There's more that's you come on come on just take everybody take one step forward closer come on a little closer there's other people you're here right now you say why are you doing this brother mark because i believe this is important that your pastor can look at you and and realize that you have a desire to walk in the more your pastor can look at you can see you and it can help you to develop a strategy so you can walk in whatever god's got he can help you to find what god's got for you too I want you to stand up here. What if God were to call somebody to the mission field? Could you say, not my will, but thine be done? You got your, you're on the track with your education to go one way and God is apprehending you right now. And he's saying, wait a second. I got a different plan for you. I want to pray for you right now. Would everybody stretch forth your hand towards these people? Father, your word says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is the Lord Jesus Christ who has made us to become. Pastor, come lay hands on these people. These are your, your people, they're your sheep. Come and lay hands on them. But you have called us, Lord God to labor for you, to work for you, Lord God. And as you see these people here, they don't necessarily know what it is. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. They, they just know that your hand is upon them mightily, that they're called and destined for greater things and greater places of ministry and greater areas of responsibility than they have been walking in. And so, Lord, we call them out. We call them out. 
And Lord, I pray you would make your way clear on their life, that you would speak clearly to them. I pray, Lord God, that you would give them visions and dreams. And I pray, Lord God, that together as the pastor pastors, this group of people, that together that they can find the track that they're supposed to be on, that they find the path that they're supposed to be on, that they find the call of God that they're supposed to be walking in. So, Lord, for those that are here at the altar right now, we say, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Not my will, but thine be done. I'll, I'll, I'll do it your way, Lord. I'll go your way. I'll serve you. I'll walk with you. Lord, I commit these people who come forward as we just kind of flush them out this morning. I believe there's more. But Lord God, I commit them to your hands for your safekeeping, for your safe care. And I pray the seed that has been planted in them, Lord God, would grow and would flourish and would produce fruit that remains in the name of Jesus. And we bless these men and we bless these women in Jesus' name. That they walk in your power, walk in your might. In the mighty name of Jesus, I bless you in Jesus' name. Just stretch your hand for a moment more. Lord, I bless this couple in Jesus' name. I bless you, brother. Let the, let the mind of Christ dwell in you richly in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let the, let the life of God, the anointing of God, the power of God, the strength of God dwell in you right now. Make it clear. Make it clear. Make it so clear, Lord God. Make it 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 clear, Lord Jesus. Make it clear in the name of Jesus. Make it clear. Use us, Lord. Use us, open doors of ministry. Show us your path. Show us your ways. Use us, Lord. We will not be ashamed now, nor will we ever be ashamed of the gospel. We're going to pay the debt we owe to the Jew, the Greek, the bond, the free. In the name of Jesus. We're ready now. Not that we're not going to get more study. Not that we're not going to get more understanding. Of course we are. But when you call, we'll be ready. In Jesus' name. We'll be ready in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Bless you now. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. God bless you people. I pray that that voice of the Lord would dwell richly in you and as you Pray about what, what, what it is God's called you into and I want to encourage you to talk with your pastor. They can help you to start flowing in a greater way than what you've been walking in. Amen. 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 I thank you. I thank you guys for, uh, for coming in today. For those of you who have even just responded, you know, to that call that God has on your life to be able to do more in the kingdom of God. Thank you, Pastor Mark, for delivering that message today. Mark and, Mark and Pastor Mark and Sharon are going to have a table out in the foyer. If that's something that you want to support their ministry, you can give donations out there. You can buy books out there. And they're doing a great work in the kingdom of God. Uh, and I just want to encourage you to take advantage of that opportunity to be able to sow further into the kingdom of God. I just want to wrap up in prayer if we can right now. Father, I thank you, Lord, that our hearts have been open this day. I thank you, Lord, that we're receiving, Lord, the word of the Lord. And I thank you, Father, that it's not just for a moment. And it's not just, Father God, for our emotions or our flesh. But I thank you, Lord, 
Lord, that there's a supernatural connection, Father, with our spirit man this day, and that is driving us, Father, into further good works. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that our lives are changed and altered. And I thank you, Lord, that the spirit of God and life is returning to people this day. And as they go forth into your kingdom, that they go forth anointed and prospered in the name of Jesus. Amen. You are dismissed. Have the greatest day of your life. We look forward to seeing you guys at the Lighthouse tomorrow. If you need further prayer, the altars will be open uh, for you. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the After Nine Show. We just got a very powerful word by Pastor Mark Davey, who's visiting us from Global Harvest Ministries International. So we are going to have a quick After Nine Show today, but it was yes, it was really well done. I really, really enjoyed it. You know, I feel like there's no hum more humbling message than the one that says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, did you have anything like that stood out to you? Today Actually, specifically, it was a wow for pretty much his whole message because yeah. I'm, I'm really encouraged because, uh, you know, he says we are not ashamed of the gospel. And sometimes we feel like we don't have anything to give or what That's can right. I say? What can I share? Yeah. But whatever it is that God has done for you, yes. it will bless and help somebody else if you share it. That's right. So I'm really encouraged today with yeah. we are not ashamed. We are Amen? not ashamed. Yes. You know, I, I use, by the way, this is Marsha Mulder. If you yes, don't know, Marcia I'm sorry. Mulder. I didn't even introduce. <laughs> I'm Sarah Quinlan. <laughs> but um, we at use on Friday, we did the lesson about the sower and the seed. Okay. And I, you know, I was listening to it and I had one of the kids explain it to me. And, you know, it's like the sower, the seed was all planted. Mm -hmm. You know, some took, some didn't, some, didn't. some had thorns, some had birds. Um, but the seed that rooted, some of them grew three times, some of them grew 10 times, and some of them grew up to 60 times. So I think it's, that's what it said in the Bible. Yes. I don't know that, in Matthew something. <laughs> it was a parable Jesus said. But um, the thing that stood out to me was that even though they planted and they grew, you know, which group are we going to fall in? Mm -hmm. Are we going to be the ones that grew three? Which is still great because, you know, it still grew. It was still rooted and grounded and growing. But then what about the ones that are ten times, right? And so that's what I was feeling convicted about. That's been my week, weekly, con like, thing this <laughs> What am I? What am I doing to grow as much as I can to read, to learn? And Pastor Mark kind of uh, just answered my heart a little bit today because he said, "You don't need more schooling. That's you don't right. need. You just need That's to right. just believe and trust in God and read the Word." You know. Yeah. And and the truth is, whatever we have to give, yeah, that we should share because everybody's not going to have the same message. That's right. Everybody's not going to have the same ministry. Mm -hmm. But whatever it is, God has done for you freely as He has That's given right. it to you freely share that's right so and there's no what pastor rick say no big eyes and no little use oh i like that <laughs> yeah so whatever we have god has given us yeah. we share it that's right and not be ashamed of the gospel that's right amen because sometimes yeah. we feel like um you know what i have to say doesn't matter yes but you'd be surprised the people you touch just with your little bit yeah as you say or you think it's a little bit yeah and i i feel like that's a, a lie from the enemy if you think what you have doesn't bring value to the mm -hmm. world because God, I, like, God put you here on purpose. And what is that purpose? Is to share the love of Jesus Christ, advance another, the kingdom of God. That's right. And another thing he said was, um, let the redeemed of, of the, the Lord, Lord say so. Say so. Yes. So if you've been redeemed, then you've got something to say. Yes. Amen? And I, I really was blessed 
to see Pastor Mark pray for people yes. um, that that believe there's more for them, that believe that there's maybe more ministry, more opportunity. You know, just what is that? What is that more for me, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I'm excited. I'm excited for things to come. And you know, we've been we've been kind of in our like weekly meetings. We've been discussing uh, areas of ministry, and it just mm-hmm. kind of has me thinking like. Where, what am I talented in? What am I gifted in? Where am I called? You know, because I want to do, I don't want anything to hold back the plan that God has for me, right? That's right. Even if I'm not comfortable with what he is telling me to do. Because mm-hmm. he's I, not I very comfortable, too, God. He was telling about the young lady who was abused as, you know, yes. a little girl. Yes. And then, you know, she ended up in strip clubs and things like that. And yes. she probably thought to herself that she's so messed up. Small. How can God use her? Yeah. But who much is given much as required and yeah. because she went through so much once she was set free she had so much that's to right. offer that's amazing you know i love so that. much to offer i thought that was really, i was really so good. good that was so yeah. great we so were I really blessed this morning me too me too yeah. and we are really happy to have pastor mark and sharon here Amen. all the way from wyoming ontario Amen. um but you know it was a short after nine today but we are really happy <laughs> to be able to join you today we have um the lighthouse tomorrow at 6 30 on youtube facebook and rumble and everything uh everything else is as is so we hope you have the best sunday of your life thank you for joining us today marcia yeah, for our quick fast and furious after nine show but we'll see you tomorrow at 6 30 at the lighthouse be blessed <laughs>